Welcome to the post-draft wide receiver and running back model calculations where I'm going to go through my rankings and tiers for all those different players for real and fantasy football. All that and more on this Wednesday edition of Unexpected Points. Hello, everybody. We're back. Draft season is over. I went through my draft rankings, I guess you could call them, on the Monday show. If you missed that, go ahead and tune back and listen into it. The most important part of that is just looking at the rank ordering of what I value as being most important most ability to judge, that being tradebacks, things like that, then looking at reaching for players being a negative versus steals not really being as much of a thing. Anyway, I go through all the different teams there. Some of it's going to align with the draft grades that you see out there in the market. Some will not. This show is going to be a little bit more focused on the fantasy football side of things, but it's going to be about wide receivers and running backs, these rookies, how I view them, not only from the perspective of what a model says to me based upon their stats and draft position and athleticism, all that stuff about how likely it is they'll be successful early in their careers in the NFL, but then also gauging their different landing spots for opportunity. And I have a way of calculating that opportunity and we can go through all the different tiers there. So if you're doing a dynasty rookie draft, if you're drafting already in best ball leagues, and there's some huge best ball leagues that are opening up now, tournaments that are opening up now for the 2022 season. It's kind of crazy to even say 2022 now. All of that uh, is going to be relevant to to this discussion. And let's be honest, for wide receivers and for running backs, production is highly linked to NFL success, how valuable these guys are in the NFL. I mean, if you want to be a, a Uber nerd and say, well, it's only really receiving production that matters for running backs and the running portion is replaceable. So therefore it doesn't really tell you who the best guys are. I mean, you can do that, but those are not the guys who are getting paid. The few running backs who are getting paid are going to be the workhorse guys who do everything. And of course, in PPR leagues, the receiving portion of a running back's value is extremely high and important for those high end outcomes. So that aligns with nerddom on what is important as far as the National Football League is concerned. And for wide receivers, it almost perfectly aligns. I mean, let's face it. The guys we think are the top wide receivers in the NFL, like Devontae Adams, are also on a per-game basis. I know he's missed some games recently, but on a per-game basis, has been the most productive receiver in the NFL. Um, It would align, basically, the fantasy football and the real football takes. So when I'm projecting, specifically in this exercise, I'm projecting how many top six I'm sorry, top 12 weeks, weekly finishes in fantasy football these guys will have in the first three years of of their career. Highly, highly correlated to their value, their real value on the football field. So before I get into this, I'll let you know that you can get better access with all of the charts and graphs and everything else I have on these articles here 
on these landing spots, what I call the opportunity score for these different landing spots on the rankings and the tiers for fantasy football, for dynasty rookie rankings, all that stuff available now, 25% off using promo code unexpected at PFF. And then you get all the rest of the locked article content. And then you get all the projections going into the season. And then you get the offseason prop stuff. Uh, I was looking at a prop today. Daniel Jones, 100 to 1 passing. Being the passing leader for the NFL. What do you think? Um, 100 to 1. The other guys who are 100 to 1 here. Justin Fields, Kenny Pickett, Sam Darnold. Mitch Trubisky, Malik Willis, Jared Goff, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral. We don't even know if these guys are starting, most of them. We do know other ones like Goff or Fields are going to have a pretty run-heavy offense. Dable, Brian Dable, likes to throw the ball around a lot there. Uh, uh, Let me put it that way. I'm intrigued. But I'll have some more stuff that I'll talk about. Ended up hitting uh, Micah Parsons as the Rookie of the Year Defensive Rookie of the Year in an article last year. I mean, maybe it's not the – he was the odds favorite, but I wrote a pretty convincing case, which ended up coming through about why he should have been even a heavier, heavier favorite uh, to where he was last year. He's being kind of discounted too far for his draft position that would have been, you know, a top five type of player in a, in a normal draft. Uh, did not hit Najee Harris, though. That was my Offensive Rookie of the Year pick, but he, he got the workload I was hoping for. So all that available, promo code unexpected at – pff.com all right let's get to it here um we're going to start with wide receivers so what i do is i have a bunch of data again combine pro day stuff production stuff and now the actual draft position is also a big part of the model because it matters a lot and it all goes in there and then i use a couple of different modeling techniques one of them is like a tree-based type of model another one is a linear model you don't need to know the details of all this stuff but then i combine those two together i find better outcomes that way and i'll tell you all the different things that are in the model i'm not going to go through these for every player because it'll be tedious but i'm going to list them and rank order them and what's the most important attributes for driving the projection and again the projection the thing the target variable that i'm looking at here is top 12 fantasy weeks So the most important thing is draft position for wide receivers. The second most important thing is career. I mean, during their whole college career, market share of team receiving yards. So I look at every game they play in, every game where they're running a route in college, what share of their team's receiving yards do they have? So this this is the most important thing beyond draft position for a couple of different reasons. One, you have to normalize these colleges by doing a share rather than doing the whole number for receiving yards because some of these passing attacks can vary so much. And it shows how well you're competing against other guys that are on your team. The reason the career number is better than your best season number, which is also part of the model, it's just further down in the rank importance. The reason the career number is more important is because it shows you're producing early and at an earlier age, and it's a larger sample. So it's a larger sample of production rather than just one breakout type of year. Uh, The next most important thing is draft age. So specifically how young you are, which is highly correlated with whether or not you're an early declare, which is very important for wide receivers. Uh, Next is the career market share of team receiving touchdowns. So the same thing, but for touchdowns instead of yards, you have a longer timeline here. I know touchdowns can be fluky, but over an entire career, it shows you something there. Then you have their best season share of receiving yards. So it doesn't have to be their last season. I found even if you had a better season share from before, that that can end up being important. 
uh, best season yards per route run. Then we have some measurables and athletic stuff that comes in here, and it, but it's the lowest stuff for wide receiver. It's not that important for wide receiver. Uh, hand size first, then 10-yard split time, then 40-yard dash, then weight, then vertical jump. Three cone it does not show to be important because you've had some very successful receivers like DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, and others um, who have ended up being very successful with poor weight adjusted three cones. So that's not part of the research. So I put all this together. I project out how many top 12 fantasy weeks are gonna, they're going to have. And then I list it as a percentile. So from one to a hundred, where do they fall for all drafted prospects over the course of the last 16 years, I guess it would be the last 16 years of data that we have here that I have here. And let's start with tier one wide receivers. Two wide receivers are in the top tier that I have here above a 90th percentile. Um, they're both in 93, 93rd percentile, which is good. But just for a frame of reference, guys like Jamar Chase were more in the 97th type of percentile, a bit higher. Um, Devontae Smith was higher than, than that percentile also. So they're a little bit lower than the top guys that we saw from last year, but still very, very high. And it's interestingly, the two guys that I have here are the first wide receiver who was taken in the, in the draft at eighth overall, Drake London. And then in fact, the sixth wide receiver who was taken. Um, and this is taken in the, in the first round. At least I believe it was six. Let me, let me count it out here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep. The sixth wide receiver who was taken in the first round, Traylon Burks at 18. And then no other receivers went in the first round. So why are these guys one and two? Well, I think it should be obvious for London. Draft position is the high number. Very good rookie age. Uh, he'll start the season in September, only a little bit over 21 years old. Good, outstanding season here. Now, only an eight-game season in his final season, but he had 43% of the team's receiving yards, which is an outstanding, outstanding number there. I estimated his 40-time and 10 split to be pretty modest, like a four, six, but he's got good hand size at nine and a half inch hands, good size at 219 pounds. He kind of hits all the different metrics that you would want to see there. And for Atlanta, this is not part of my model, but I'm including these opportunity scores that I calculate. And how I calculate these is I look at the implied production for the quarterback versus the implied receiving production, according to ADPs that are in best ball leagues right now and where there's a gap. So if there's a, if it's a higher, if, if the receivers are not being valued that high there, I'm saying there's more opportunity for a rookie to come in. So the Falcons come out as sixth. So pretty good. So Drake London at the top 93rd, 93rd percentile, but Traylon Burks is tied also 93rd percentile despite his being drafted 10 picks later. Well, why, how does he beat London? Well, he's a little bit bigger. He has bigger hands, almost 10 inch hands. He, and then more importantly, his career receiving market share, which again, I said was the most important figure is almost 36%. So over his entire three seasons in games that he played, he got 36% of his team's receiving yards and 37% of the team touchdowns. Those are very, very big numbers for someone playing in the SEC for a big school who's going to face some competition amongst wide receivers there. His best season is not quite as good as London's, but still over 40% last season, 3.6 yards per route run, an outstanding number, 16.9 yards per reception, checks all the boxes. And 
I would probably put him even above London as my wide receiver one, believe it or not. I know people are not going to go for that as far as who's going to who's going to be the better fantasy pick because the Titans are second in opportunity for a rookie, according to my calculations, only to the Packers. And if you look at betting markets right now for another kind of independent measure to look at these guys right now, Traylon Burks has the highest over under that you can bet on for receiving yards at 869.5 receiving yards, which is 130 more yards than Drake London. And he also has uh, 5.5 touchdowns versus 4.5 for London. Now, London's odds are shaded to the over for 4.5 and Burks's are shaded to the under at 5.5. But still, for betting markets, Burks, again, the sixth receiver off the board is seen as healthy by healthy distance, 130 yards, being the most productive in yards and then also the most productive in touchdowns as a rookie. So so like after a season, if you're going to say, I'll say, give me the first round receiver who is most likely to have the most fantasy points as a rookie. Give me that guy for his entire career most of the time. I think that's a very easy pick to go with. And right now, all the markets are telling you that's going to be Traylon Burks. So I know Burks has fallen in some people's minds. He didn't go as high. People are high on some of these other guys. Burks, for me, is still still the guy. And I think fantasy markets are higher on Burks, generally, than the NFL is because there was a there was a post-draft press conference that I was watching with Eric DaCosta. I like to watch the the guys who I think are really, really good. So I think Eric DaCosta is extremely good. He's the GM of the Baltimore Ravens. They were they were picking at 14. He mentioned that they had a lot of conversations with teams who were in the 20s about coming up to 14. In their minds, they don't, you know, they don't get confirmation from the teams exactly what they're going to do. But in their minds, it was for a wide receiver. And then when London went at eight, and then we saw a run on receivers, 10, 11, 12, Wilson, Olave, Jameson Williams all go 10, 11, 12. He says the phones were dead after that that these same teams did not want to trade up anymore. So it seems like the NFL teams had the first four in a tier and then a tier drop to go before Burks and before, you know, Jahan Dotson, who may have been a bit of reach um, going at 16. But it seems like there was a tier drop there for sure in NFL's minds. I, I don't have that tier drop in my mind, and it looks like the betting markets see Burks as being the most productive guy. So he's the guy that I would go off, go with there with London being second. Going into the second tier for my predictions for how these guys are going to do in their careers, at least their early careers, which is really, you know, guys who are good in their first three years are going to be the same guys who have good careers. Uh, Garrett Wilson is next, slightly less than 90th percentile there, followed by other guys who are between 85 and 90th percentile. Chris Olave, Sky Moore are actually tied, and then Jamison Williams. Now, I'll start with Williams because I know he's going to be a very popular pick for some guys. He's a little bit low on here because of the fact that his career numbers are not great sitting behind Olave and Wilson when he was at Ohio State and not playing and not getting a lot of production there. But he had an explosive season this last year. But even in this last year, in this explosive season, he had like 31% of the uh, market share, which is good, but not, you know, outstanding, outstanding sort of number. Uh, 20 yards per reception, which is pretty good. And I think a lot of the things that people love about Williams, his explosiveness and stuff like that, doesn't necessarily translate into being the most productive player from a fantasy perspective, but he definitely could get there. 
Uh, I also had to estimate his 40 time, which I did at a 4-4. It probably could have been better than that. So that's something that would have incrementally moved him up a little bit. And so, and he says he played at a bigger weight than 180 pounds, but that's what he weighed in on in at the combine. So I use that number. Um, so he, he's a bit lower. He, he's a bit lower than these, than these other guys, but still solidly in that second tier. If you wanted to bump him up, even put him at the head of the second tier, I'm fine with anyone shifting around any of these guys in this position. The most important guy, though, is Sky Moore, because if you look at the draft positions in the second tier, it's 10 for Wilson, 11 for Olave, 12 for Jamison Williams, 54 for Sky Moore. Not only the second round, not at the beginning of the second round, kind of near the back half of the second round for Sky Moore. Now he goes to the Chiefs, which is going to pump up his value. And if you look at his value, especially in best ball leagues, it's very high right now. So I'm not certain you're going to get a good a good deal on him. But the reason that the model likes him so much is he's young. He's an early declare. Uh, just going to start. He's going to be exactly 22 years old, which is the same age as Garrett Wilson and Olave and a little bit older than Jamison Williams when he starts the season. He's 195 pounds. He's a bit heavier than the rest of these guys here. He has huge mitts, 10.2 inches for his hands here. Uh, 4'4", 40, an excellent 10-yard split at 1'4'6". You know, decent vertical. All that stuff's pretty good. Now, the most important stuff, the production metrics. Career number 34.4, which is not quite as good as Burks, but it's close for his career percentage of team uh, receiving percentage and then 41% for his best season. So good, good numbers there. Now he doesn't face a lot of competition coming from Western Michigan. So that's probably a mental adjustment that you can make there. I do try to build in a bit of a boost to these other guys like Wilson, Olave and Williams who've been playing in very deep receiving cores by giving them an extra percent to that career number for every top 100 receiver that, that they played with every receiver who's drafted in the top 100. But even then, it, it doesn't quite get enough to boost them up to to Moore's numbers. So he's a guy to look out for, but I think the fantasy community is on to him big time. Um, but I love that pick for the Chiefs in the late second round. All right, let's go to the third tier for wide receivers. Uh, that tier is Jahan Dotson, Christian Watson, Wandale Robinson, and Jalen Tolbert. Dotson, as the fifth wide receiver in the NFL draft, Falls all the way to all the way to being. Let me see one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in my rankings. The draft position is what keeps him up pretty high. He doesn't have poor numbers, but 184 pounds. Um, his career market share of receiving yards is under 30 percent, around 29 percent, so not great. He had a pretty big number though for his last season at 38 percent, so that's good. So everything about his profile is is like good, maybe great, but probably not elite. May have been a little bit too early to pick on him. The opportunity score for him is 15, so right in the middling, in the middle of the league. If Terry McLaurin is going to leave, yeah, bump that way up. But uh, we don't know if he's going to get traded out of town. Christian Watson is next. I'm not too high on Watson, but he was drafted. You know, he was a seventh re- receiver drafted. So the fact that he shows up here as the um, eighth guy in the rankings, he's not going to get leapfrogged by too many too many here as the 34th pick, but he still is substantially lower than Sky Moore, who went 20 picks later in the NFL draft. So the upside for Watson, he's big. His height is big, at least, uh, you know, six, three, he runs six, four, he runs, he ran a four, three, six, 40 amazing numbers there, 24 yards per reception. That gives him a, a little bit of a boost there. 208 pounds. So he's got some good size. 
the downside is he's old. He's he's not an early declare. He's 23 years old. His career share of receiving yards is less than 25%, which is really, really bad. His career share of touchdowns is 17%. So again, really, really bad. But he did have a 42% number, so a pretty elite number for one season. So he has shown his ability to produce at elite level for one season. But as an older prospect, he brings some worries here. Now, Wandale Robinson is next. He's a guy that's going to be very low versus a lot of these others for where he's going in best ball leagues and then also in dynasty drafts, potential value. But it's interesting to see where the production is going to come from in New York. Maybe if they trade Kadarius Tony, he has a way to be more involved there because as of now, they have Tony. They still have Kenny Galladay. They have Sterling Shepard there. Uh, it's not a ton of room for him there. But his profile is really, really good outside of the fact that he's small, he has tiny hands and tiny arms. But other than that, it's pretty good. I mean, the 4-4-4 40 time isn't as fast as you would like to see for 179 pounds, but it's not awful. And his career share of receiving yards, 35%, best season, 46%. Excellent, excellent number. So that's what boosts him up quite a bit in this model. Definitely a name to look for. Was seen as being a reach versus... Uh, consensus draft boards but if we went back to pre-combine it wouldn't have seemed like that much of a reach it was really he fell a lot not even for the drills but just for how he measured which is a little bit weird to have a player fall that much because they measure weird when that's or smaller than you think when like that's not a total unknown like what they're going to run when it comes to some of these guys, uh, Jalen Tolbert, a little bit of a value here. He was, he wasn't drafted until the third round, but the Cowboys took him. fills a decent role coming over there as a potential third wide receiver. His downside was being old because he played all four years, small school at South Alabama, but just an amazing season last year, almost 50% of the receiving yards for the team. And my, you know, not so scientific, just bombs highlight viewing puts him right up near the top. The guy, I, th- I thought the guy looked amazing on, on the footage. Now he's playing against smaller school guys, all that stuff. But, you know, he ran in the four fours, had 10 inch hands, 194 pounds, decent size. I like him a lot. I mean, I would like him more than Christian Watson, but the the gap in draft position is just so big. And Watson is stepping into the Green Bay Packers who have the best situation for a rookie wide receiver to produce immediately with no one else being drafted in the top 50 wide receivers right now. Um, it's tough to put him above Watson, but I think as a player, I might, I might like him a little bit more. Okay. Let's go on to the fourth tier. And this is the last tier I'm going to discuss in detail because the other ones don't have a really great chance of having success. So the fourth tier here starts with David Bell and David Bell is above other guys who were drafted in the second round here. Uh, Mechie, Thornton, George Pickens, and Alec Pierce. And the reason Bell is so high, despite the fact that he was 99th draft position, which was a compensatory pick at the end of the third round, he's young. He came out early. He's not even, he's not going to be 22 years old when the season starts. He's got good size, 212 pounds, good hand size. He was slow, and that's why he fell. He's 468, but that's one of the least important metrics for predicting success here. Um, and his vertical was not great, 33 inches. So again, not seen, not really displaying athleticism there. But he has excellent production numbers, 33% career market share of receiving yards, 31% touchdowns, just awesome numbers there. And big opportunity in 
Cleveland. He's going to have, hopefully, Deshaun Watson, well, for their perspective, hopefully Deshaun Watson playing most of the season. They have Amari Cooper there, but Cooper is, you know, sometimes a target hog, sometimes not really. Um, They run the ball a lot, but still, he's going to step right into probably being the wide receiver, too. He's going to have to compete with Donovan Peoples-Jones and compete with Anthony Schwartz, their third-round pick from a year ago. But I think he's a lot more of a good fit there. Uh, His comps, if you look at his top comps for David Bell, Keenan Allen shows up there. Jarvis Landry shows up there. Juju Smith-Schuster shows up there. Those are a little bit aggressive comps because they tested a bit better than Bell did. But if he could be a slightly discounted version of those guys, that's a good career uh, for a guy that was drafted at the end of the third round and is going to go pretty late when you're looking at dynasty rookie drafts. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about Mechie. Honestly, his numbers are a bit understated because of the competition that he played with, though, again, I, I gave him bonuses to bump him up, but he went into the slot role the last season with Williams being the down the field guy where he was the down the field guy before. So it's tough to tell like what he, sort of role he can do. But if he can do both, I think that's pretty valuable. And he went 44th, and he'll have opportunity playing for the Texans. So I think he's a definitely an interesting name. Maybe I'd bump him up a little bit on this here. Tyquan Thornton, barely any production, but 4-2-8-40, split. Tremendous numbers there. Opportunity in New England, one of the top five team for opportunity. But a surprise, I would say, as a second-round pick. Many surprises for the Patriots this year. Pickens is next. Pickens is a guy who, you know, kind of hate him or love him. Looks like he slipped a bit in the draft all the way down to 52 was his draft position. I think his over-under going into the draft was something like 34 and a half. So he fell a bit there. I don't love the opportunity with the Steelers. You never know what can happen. But being behind Claypool, being behind Claypool, being behind um, Deontay Johnson, playing with either Mitch Trubisky or a rookie in Kenny Pickett. Eh, not not great in the short term there. Uh, but people love his upside, and he's probably the only guy in this group that really profiles as a potential prototype wide receiver one. Uh, Alex Pierce is interesting, 53rd. He was taken at one pick after Pickens. He's an older guy, He's f- but he at a 211 pounds, he just absolutely destroyed the combine. 44140. 40-inch vertical. Production numbers are pretty meh, though. About a 20% for career market shares of both receiving yards and touchdowns. 18.5, though, yards per reception. He's going to be the deep threat, which might add more real NFL value than fantasy NFL value. But I do like Ballard, even though he hasn't been great with the wide receiver picks. I mean, Michael Pittman Jr. is is fine, looks pretty good, um, but missed on Paris Campbell. And then tier five, I'll just mention who's in this tier five here. Uh, Velus, I believe, Jones Jr., Romeo Dubs, Khalil Shakir, Calvin Austin. So Jones is the only earlier pick here, taken at 71 in the beginning of the third round. He's fast, 4-3-1, but he's the oldest player I've ever heard of. <laughs> he's going to be twenty five, over 25 years old. Before when the season starts, I looked this up and he was born a month after less than a month after DJ Moore. DJ Moore was drafted in 2018. DJ Moore is entering his fifth season in the NFL. 
and he's basically the same age as his rookie. Weird pick there. Fast guy. They love his explosion, supposedly ability to run past people, but you know he didn't do it a whole lot in college. Never had big numbers, 15% career market share. Never had above 24% in any season. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. Uh, Romeo Dubs is kind of interesting because he's, he's not great. None of his numbers are great, but he's good. He has good numbers across the board, and he's going to the Packers. So the reason I'm interested in, in him is I'm not sold on – the floor for Christian Watson. So if Watson's not doing so hot, uh, Dubs could step in and be a guy there for Green Bay who needs a lot, a lot of talent. Um, and that's really it. Those are the guys that I'm talking about for wide receiver. So again, starting at the top, London and Burks in the first tier, and then Wilson, Olave, Moore, and Williams in the second tier. And then the third tier, uh, Dotson, Watson, Robinson, and Tolbert. All right, let's flip over to running backs. Not as interesting of a class from a running back perspective. Um, we saw Brees Hall was the first one taken. He was the first one going in best ball drafts. He's probably going to be the 101 in most dynasty rookie drafts. 92nd percentile score, which again, it's, it's good, but it's not fantastic. The draft position is okay at 36, but it's not a first round pick. But he hits every other metric here. I mean, he's young. 218 pounds. He ran a sub four, 440. He had, um, oh, so the other metrics that I have here for, for running backs is, are the share of yards of team yards, rushing yards per game, share of team touchdowns and receptions per game, receptions per game being a real key one with, uh, cause this is PPR that I'm for- forecasting here. 3.1 receptions per game, which is excellent. 50% of the touchdowns, 35% of the yards. There's really nothing not to like about, uh, Brees Hall, and he has good opportunity going to the Jets. I mean, I like Michael Carter, but he was a fourth-round pick, so he should easily step over him there. Uh, the second tier here, he's in a tier t- by himself, easily, way above these other guys. Second tier I have here, Kenneth Walker and James Cook together. So Walker went 41 in the draft. James Cook went 63. Walker has a really great profile, other than the fact that he has 1.1 receptions per game. And I don't love the landing spot. I mean, he's got the inside track to be the lead guy there, but Chris Carson is hanging around who only played four games and then got injured one year into being re-signed to decent money. And then they re-signed Rashad Penny also. So they, they got a few bodies there. It could take them a season to sort out being on top there, but he has just excellent, excellent numbers outside of not, re- not having the receiving numbers. Now, Cook does have the receiving numbers, but I'm a little worried about the landing spot because Josh Allen is not known to throw it to running backs a lot. And in Brandon Bean in his post draft press conference said that cook functions best as a sub sub package sort of guy, like a, um, a receiving back basically is what is what he's saying versus he said, we'll give him some carries and he'll get some carries, but he didn't sound like he was committing to him. Now, he only weighs, you know, 200 pounds, so maybe we shouldn't expect anything anything more than that. But there are guys who are 200 pounds who can get a decent amount of work, like an Austin Eckler. Hopefully that's in his range of outcomes, but I'm just not sure about the fit there. It'll be interesting to see whether people are prioritizing him or Kenneth Walker in these drafts. Okay, going to the third tier here. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price shows up. I'm not that high on him, but he was, you know, he was a 93rd pick in the draft, in a draft that had a lot of guys who were low. So, He's young-ish. He's be under 22 years when he starts. 219 pounds, ran a 448. Pretty good. 
just didn't have a lot of production, barely had any receiving production. So it's a little messy there in San Francisco for a landing spot. The guy that I really do like here is Damian Pierce. Now, his draft position was at the very beginning of the fourth round, so it's not ideal, but there's not really a whole lot to deal with for the Houston Texans. I mean, if you look at their depth chart right now, um, it is Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack. That's it. So not a ton of touchdown upside maybe playing with Davis Mills on offense, but could step in at 224 pounds and immediately be a workhorse. So he's probably my favorite value guy. Showed some receiving chops with a reception and a half a game. Rashad White got a little buried for at least his rookie season. I mean, not totally buried because he's one Leonard Fournette hamstring pull away from potentially being a starter with Keyshawn Vaughn not really doing anything and Gio Bernard being a third down back. But I wish Rashad White would have gone somewhere else other than Tampa, at least for his rookie season, because of the fact that Leonard Fournette is there. Uh, The downside with White is he's old. He's almost going to be 24 years old starting, but that's not a huge downside. I mean, he was a third round pick here, 215 pounds, great athleticism, fantastic production numbers, and four receptions per game, which is huge for PPR leagues of a guy that size. Um, next is Isaiah Spiller. Spiller started the offseason as the presumed right, uh, running back three, maybe even running back two by some people. Fell a ton because of that his athleticism, you know, like a four six kind of testing guy, barely cleared 30 inches in the vertical jump, did not show much explosion, did not get 10 feet in the broad jump. He's young, he's only 21 years old. He breaks a lot of tackles, so I think there's production and receiving ability there. Going to the Chargers is intriguing because people are going to fade him because obviously Eckler's the guy there, but he could get the complimentary role to Eckler there. And then if Eckler goes down, he has some potential here. So I know people are, are off on him, but I think he's an interesting guy, although he's probably still going as the running back four or five in a lot of dynasty drafts. Brian Robinson, I would have been a lot bigger on now going on to the next tier, tier four here, if it weren't for the fact that now he's in direct opposition to Antonio Gibson. I think more than anything, he probably kills Gibson's uh, projections, then he's going to have something really, really strong for himself. He was drafted in the first three rounds. He's a big back who can catch the ball, so he's an interesting dude. Uh, the Patriots took Pierre Strong Jr. and Kevin Harris, so I'm not sure how that's going to sort out, but they look okay in the model. And then the last guy I want to mention here is Tyler Algier, because even though he's a fifth round pick, he's a big guy who can catch the ball, big production, and the Falcons don't really have anyone here. Um, I mean, they have Patterson, right? Uh, so they have they have Patterson there, but then beyond Patterson, they got rid of Mike Davis. They have Damian Williams and Quadri Allison. Allison, that's it. So path to immediate work there for Tyler Algier. So he's a guy that I would prioritize by throwing something at him if you can. All right, everybody, that is my wrap up for wide receivers and running backs. My model results, some commentary additionally on top of that, it's going to be a little bit short here after coming off of a big time draft week. I'll be coming at you next week with more commentary on the news and an analytical perspective on that rate review, the pod And until then, I'll be talking at everyone next week. Thanks.